it can be difficult to come up with unique approaches and find ways to relate Bible passages to some of the concerns and worries we're all dealing with in the world today. So let me tell you one of the things that I do. Before I start working on an episode of my podcast, I often make a point of reading the text as the last thing I do before turning off the light in bed at night so that I drift off to sleep with that reading in my unconscious mind. I do this because I have come to understand that dreaming is not just nighttime Netflix. It's not just a little video that your brain puts on to keep your unconscious mind entertained for a few hours while your body rests. It is actually a vital activity that you need to function in the daytime world. All day, every day, you are assailed with thousands of pieces of information, some of which are vital and some useless. Dreaming is a brain process that allows you to sort through all of that information and discard what you don't really need. But even more important, it allows you to store the vital information, what your brain thinks you will need, in long-term memory. It does that in a very particular way. Long-term memory works mostly by making connections. So the best way for your brain to incorporate new information is to make connections between it and the things that you already know. And there's one very important way that human beings make connections. They do it by telling stories. In fact, you might even say that storytelling is the primary way in which we make sense of the world that we live in. That might help you understand why it is that the dreams you have can be these really bizarre stories that don't even make sense in the real world. When you dream, your unconscious mind is frantically trying to spin a story that will somehow create a narrative link between the things you learned during the day and some of your other essential memories. It might also help to explain the strange phenomenon that you've probably also experienced, where you wake up suddenly and you've just come out of a dream and the story is so vivid and bizarre. And then, all of a sudden, it just seems the whole dream is gone. That is because the point of your dreaming is not for you to remember the dream. <laughs> that would be to create even more new information for you to integrate into your memory. No. The actual story of your dream is meant to disappear. But the key thing is that the connections 
that that dream made for you will remain and become a part of the way you look at the world. And so, when I go to sleep, and my last thought is about a Bible passage that I want to do an episode on, it is my hope that that passage will enter into my dreams, and, as a result, I will wake up having made some new connections between that passage and the real issues that I, and many of us, face in the world today. So, let me tell you the story of the creation of this episode. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 6.26 I Dreamt of Joseph The day before I started working on today's episode last thing I did, before turning out the light that night, was to open up my Bible app and read these words. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And then I turned out the light, fluffed my pillow and turned over into my favorite sleeping position. As I did so, I replayed again and again in my head that image of poor Joseph and his disappointment upon hearing the news that the woman his parents had chosen to marry him was already pregnant. I thought of his indecision how he hardly wanted to drag the name of this woman he barely knew through the mud, of the accusations that would surely follow. At the same time, he was battling with his desire to maintain his own honor within the community. I did my best to keep all of these thoughts top of mind, But you know how it is when the fog of sleep begins to gather. I couldn't help but allow my thoughts to turn to the other things that had been bothering me of late. Would I ever manage to be ready for Christmas? Would I find all of the gifts that I wanted to give? Would the people I gave them to 
really appreciate them. And then, well, you know what it is like. Once you open up that door of worry in your mind, all sorts of other causes of anxiety begin to flood in. So as I drifted off, all kinds of things were worrying my unconscious. Oh, and there's one other thing. Earlier that evening, I had watched the classic fantasy film, Willow, for the first time. And so, I began to dream. I was at the shopping mall. There were people everywhere. And I remember feeling as if I had so much to do. But as I moved about, tending to my shopping list, other things seemed to keep coming along to interrupt me. And before long, I was engaged in a new quest. Instead of looking for Christmas presents, I seemed to be searching for a child. And not just any child, but a child whose fate it was to save the whole world. The quest very quickly took some very strange turns. First, Billy Barty showed up and joined me. Then, shortly after, Warwick Davis appeared too. I honestly can't remember all of it that clearly. I remember being worried about the mother of this child and what people might think of her. But somehow, by the end, everything had worked out. And we had gathered together with Warwick Davis's little children, and we were celebrating with a modest little feast. It was all so vivid when I first woke up. But then, as I got out of bed and started going about my day, it faded away so quickly. I think I only remember it because I tried so hard to do so, so I could tell it to you. The full narrative still escapes me, but I was left with one connection that I do not want to lose. Somehow, despite the worries and the fears, despite rather vague feelings of anxiety that always seem to come at this time of the year, and despite all of the confusion between Nelwyn, Daikini, and Brownies, I was left with one key connection. Somehow, God is with us. And so I awoke and began to write this episode. There was a man who wrote a gospel. He wrote it quite anonymously, but tradition eventually decided that he was probably named Matthew. He was struggling with the beginning of his narrative. 
there had been others who had written Gospels before him, one of which he undoubtedly used as a direct source. But he had decided that he wanted to begin his story a little bit earlier. He wanted to begin with an account of the birth of Jesus. This was something that had never been done before, and so he was struggling with it a bit. He only had a few basic pieces of information. He knew that Jesus was from Nazareth. He knew that he had to have been born in Bethlehem, and that he was a descendant of King David because the Bible said that the Messiah had to be both of those things. He knew the name of Jesus' mother, and that he had been a carpenter. That was not a whole lot to build a birth narrative around. But Matthew knew that there had to be something special about Jesus' birth, because he knew how special Jesus was. And so he went searching through his Bible, what we would call the Old Testament, to find clues about how it must have happened. He had been reflecting all day, for example, on the story of Joseph, the son of Jacob, in the book of Genesis, and how he had been a dreamer and had gone down to Egypt. He didn't know, really, what, if anything, that had to do with the birth of the Messiah, but it had always been one of his favorite Bible stories. But that night, before turning in, he had been reading another favorite passage, one from Isaiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol, or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Matthew blew out his lamp and drifted off to sleep. Matthew found himself back in the times of the sons of Jacob. The eleven brothers were at odds with their young brother Joseph, because he was a dreamer who dreamt of the plans of God. And then it seemed that Matthew and Joseph had entered into a quest together. They were seeking to save a young woman who had fallen under suspicion because she was pregnant. In his dream, Matthew talked it over with Joseph, who wanted to help out the young woman and save her from dishonor, but didn't know what to do. 
So Matthew told him that perhaps he ought to sleep on it, and that he would have another dream to show him the will of God. And so that is what Joseph did. And while Matthew watched, he dreamt of the woman and the Holy Spirit, and he woke up knowing what he would do. Matthew woke from his bizarre dream. And frankly, many of the crazier aspects of his dream faded quickly. But the strange connections that the story of his dream had made remained with him. The strongest connection of all, of course, being that Emmanuel meant God is with us. Soon after, Matthew took up his pen and he started to write. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. And so it is that we came to know that when Joseph the intended husband of Mary, Jesus' mother, was troubled by the whole question of how it was that the woman he was to marry was unexpectedly and strangely pregnant. He sought an answer to his dilemma in a dream. He drifted off, thinking of the traditions of his people of how God had sent angels to help his ancestors, of the incredible promises of the prophet Isaiah. And he found the answer he was seeking. The dream that he had, to be sure, was very strange. It involved an angel coming to him and telling him what to do. It gave him an odd image of a young woman who was pregnant from the Holy Spirit, whatever that meant. How important are the specific details of that crazy dream? I don't know. It could just have been Joseph's frazzled mind helping him to sort through a sticky dilemma. It could have been divine inspiration. Maybe it was both. What matters is that Joseph woke with a single connection. God is with us. Even more important than that though, he awoke and then acted immediately upon that connection. I have long remained fascinated by the whole question of the inspiration of Scripture. Christian theology affirms that the biblical writers were inspired as they wrote, and I have no quarrel with that. But I often wonder 
what we are supposed to understand by that. Take the case of the Gospel of Matthew. There really is no question that whoever wrote that Gospel used other books and texts and likely oral traditions as sources. One of those sources was the Gospel of Mark. But he may have been the first to write an account of the birth of Jesus. And he didn't get that story from the Gospel of Mark, which only starts with Jesus fully grown. It is possible, of course, that he had other sources for that story that simply no longer exist. But if he didn't, I know where else he might have looked. The author of this gospel clearly believed that the Old Testament was bursting full of information about the life of Jesus in the form of prophecy. Surely he would not have hesitated to draw from that source to fill in any details. Details like the birth of a child to a virgin, or a man named Joseph, who was led by dreams. Maybe especially the detail that it was all about God being with us. As far as the Gospel writer was concerned, searching the Old Testament was a totally legitimate way to find information on the life of Jesus. And honestly, who are we to say that he was wrong? But it still left me wondering about exactly where those connections came from. Wouldn't it be quite awesome if the Gospel writer actually left us a clue of his method by telling a story of Joseph, who made his key connections, as a result of a dream? And where does that leave us? We also can be dreamers. I think we are also called to make connections that teach us new things about the nature and the love of God. But above all, like Joseph, we are called to take those connections and actually act upon them in a way that affects history and changes the world. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. And do leave a review on your podcast provider to help other people find and appreciate this podcast. The theme music for the podcast is Ah Da by Kevin MacLeod. And the mood music for this episode is Gymnopédie by Sasha End. The music is licensed under the Creative Commons and can be found at filmmusic.io. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. Thanks again to my Patreon supporters who back this podcast. If you'd like to join them and get access to free ebooks and even paperbacks, 
go to patreon.com slash retelling the Bible. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.